0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. New information is coming to light in the shocking and apparently random murder of 13 year old Marissa Shen in Burnaby.
2: It's six months now since she was killed, and with no arrests and no suspects, investigators have now released what they believe are the last images of Marissa alive. Ramina Day is live in Burnaby right now with more on that and a new website police hope will help Ramina.
3: Chris, as you said, no arrests, no suspects, which is extremely disappointing to the family and this community. But there is a new website. IHIT is hoping that it will generate new leads. And on that website, fresh video today of where the teen was last seen alive. Approximately 6 p.m. July 18th, 13-year-old Marissa Shen leaves her apartment in Burnaby. Nine minutes later, 6.09 p.m., she enters the Tim Hortons at 6200 McKay Avenue near Metrotown. She's alone. Shen spends about an hour and a half inside before she leaves at 7.37 p.m. Five and a half hours later, the teen's body was found in the bushes in Central Park at 1.10 in the morning, July 19th, just a few blocks from her home.
4: And should it refresh your memory as to where you were that day, um, please pick up the phone and contact us.
3: While IHIT has identified a 1,000 people for further follow-up, it appears homicide investigators have hit the wall when it comes to a suspect. Are investigators in the dark as to who might have been responsible for this?
4: Absolutely not. No, we're speaking with people and we believe there are people that still have information about this investigation.
3: Do you have a suspect?
4: We don't have a suspect, but we are speaking and we continue to speak with people daily about this investigation.
3: 90 persons of interest at last count. I hit still believes the murder was random.
5: With a list that long, it sounds like uh, they don't know who did it or why, which again, the issue here is be contrite about that early on.
3: Valentine Wu says Marissa's mother is back in China. She had only one thing to say to him about the investigation.
6: Uh, she, she just said that
4: uh, she wants wants the police to capture the suspect.
3: Now six months into this investigation, Homicide investigators are still going door-to-door in this community looking for leads. They've screened over 1,000 hours of video from 60 different locations. And, and despite their efforts, the killer is still out there. Back to you.
1: All right, thanks for that, Ramina. Virtually no new information tonight from Vancouver Police on Saturday's shooting that killed two people, including an innocent 15-year-old boy. Alfred Wong of Coquitlam was hit by a stray bullet during the shooting that also killed 23-year-old Kevin Whiteside. Police say Whiteside was targeted. Global News Today asked Vancouver police if there was any new information, including a suspect sketch, surveillance video, or how many shots were fired. Police will only say there is no new information and that they are still looking for witnesses.
2: Yet another truck has struck an overpass on Highway 99, tying up traffic on a major Metro Vancouver route during the rush hour. A commercial vehicle carrying a large metal wheel hit the Ladner Trunk Road overpass, shutting down the road for a few hours. Luckily, the overpass wasn't seriously damaged, but there are some lane closures in the area until crews finish cleaning up the mess.
1: Well, the calls are getting louder tonight to do something now about a dangerous stretch of road in Burnaby after a second serious incident today. Just one day after a 15-year-old girl was struck and killed in a crosswalk on Caribou Road, a cyclist was injured in another accident. Aaron MacArthur reports.
7: Riding to work resulted in a trip to the hospital this morning. A CTV news truck colliding with an oncoming e-bike at Caribou Road.
6: My work colleague got
7: uh, uh, got hit.
6: hit by a car. Yeah, he was uh, decided to work. Apparently a car turned left in front of him.
7: It's the second time in two days this crosswalk has been the scene of a collision. Wednesday morning, a teenager was struck and killed. People in the neighborhood are furious. We've needed a light here for
4: years. Half the time, if it's raining, it's not really safe to uh,
7: cross here. The girl has been identified as 15-year-old Fernanda Girata. According to Brazilian media, the exchange student had just arrived in Canada. Her parents have now flown to Vancouver, and the consulate is providing what assistance they can.
8: We've been fighting a long time to get something done here for this crosswalk for people from our community.
7: Caribou Road has become a major thoroughfare, cars racing down the hill towards Highway 1. Residents say they have been demanding safety improvements for months. An online petition launched yesterday already has more than 500 signatures. One death, another accident, and we can't afford to lose any more lives. The city responded to the issue today, trying to assure the public changes are in the works.
2: Plans are in place uh, to uh, do additional work at the intersection of Caribou Road and Caribou Drive. Uh, Traffic calming
7: measures, uh, removing the uh, existing median. Those changes though, several hundred meters away from the crosswalk, where Girata died. But slowing down traffic might go a long way to making this a safe space for people to get to their bus stop. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Parks Canada has issued an extreme
2: wave hazard advisory for the Pacific Rim region, and it's pretty easy to see why. It includes Uclut, Tofino, and Pacific Rim National Park. Take a look at this video right now. This was shot by Isabel Thomas at the Long Beach Lodge Resort in Tofino. A powerful wave sends a huge log crashing into the beach stairway. The water rushes up the path, forcing everyone to scramble out of the way. Now, the district of Tofino has closed public beach access due to a forecast of hurricane force winds. A number of webcams and Twitter posts from the west coast of Vancouver Island show high waves washing over beaches, even south of the border in Oregon. The U.S. Coast Guard launched a search for a man who was swept into the ocean. Luckily, he was able to get himself to safety and self-rescue. We'll check in early now with Christy Gordon for a look at how high the swells were and why they're so big. Christy.
9: Chris, the waves off the coast of Vancouver Island were the largest in the world today. The swell heights reached over 14 metres. That's nearly five stories high. Now, right along the coast, the swells weren't quite as high. About 10 metres, but still, that's three stories high. The waves are pounding so hard that Natural Resources Canada reported seismic stations detecting the ground actually shake. And it's all because of a very, very large and deep low-pressure system with strong southwest winds. Coastal regions could see some minor flooding, certainly, and beach erosion. The waves are expected, though, to finally ease over the next 12 hours. All
2: right, thanks very much, Christy.
1: One day after Vancouver City Council approved a new bike lane for the Canby Street Bridge, the controversy over another bike lane is heating up. Some patients at Vancouver General Hospital are frustrated by the loss of parking spots, especially those with mobility challenges. Jordan Armstrong reports. <laughs>
0: Major surgery on West 10th Avenue, causing major headaches for patients heading for appointments at or near Canada's second busiest hospital. Yeah, it's great I got my wife here with me, but I would have been having a really tough time by myself.
8: It's usually hard to find parking, and now they've added in
0: all the construction. 30 minutes circling the block to find parking. And they're lucky. This lot, which charges $6 an hour, was full. All 1,300 spaces gone by 9.15 a.m.
10: The city is crazy. Crazy? Yes, on the 10th Avenue. Lots of people go to specialists, right? Look what they do. They make it one way now. Are you late?
4: (laughs) Yes, I was in the traffic.
10: The
0: city ripping out 75-metered parking spaces in the area known as the Health Precinct to put in a separated bike lane. It's always nice to have a bike lane get around faster. But even some cyclists aren't sold. As a cyclist
11: and as a driver who uses these medical facilities, if I had to choose, I think uh, taking up parking for bike lanes here is a bad choice. The city,
0: quick to point out, it's not all about the bike lane. The project, endorsed by VGH, will also add drop-off zones and street parking for the disabled. And a new lot at
6: Tenth and Ash will offset the lost road parking. The long-term result will be much better. Um, And we're going to keep working with the contractor and keep working with our health partners to be sure that uh, all the facilities are accessible at all times and that people can move around safely and comfortably.
8: With my husband and mobility issues, it's challenging on the best of days, right? So I hope they make some improvements.
0: Phase one of the work should finish by early summer. Until then, good luck finding parking at VGH. Unless your ride is pedal-powered. Jordan Armstrong, Global News.
2: Now, just finding a doctor is becoming more difficult for a growing number of people. And a new report from the Fraser Institute says Canadians are much worse off in that search than people in most developed countries. Jill Bennett reports.
5: I've been a physician here in the Slocan Valley for 24 years.
12: This video, showing the beauty of New Denver, B.C., was originally a project to drum up more tourism dollars. But it morphed into a recruitment tool, reaching out in hopes of bringing much-needed doctors to the community.
13: We're presently
6: marketing to the world.
12: The situation is so dire on Wednesday, the Interior Health Authority issued a news release. Effective February 1st, 2018, the emergency department will be open 9 to 5 on weekdays and closed on statutory holidays.
13: We told IHA at the meeting yesterday that this decision they've handed
6: down to us is simply unacceptable.
12: A day later, a reprieve. Plans to cut the clinic hours have been delayed until the spring, but with only one permanent doctor in place, there could still be temporary closures. The doctor shortage isn't new, and it's not only in rural BC. A new report from the Fraser Institute shows the number of doctors per person in Canada lags far behind other developed countries. In Norway... doctors for every thousand residents. In Canada, there are 2.7.
5: It takes time and it takes
2: a lot of money to train doctors. You you not only have to uh, put more people through medical school, you also have to uh, have more residency positions opened up in hospitals for training.
12: According to Doctors for BC, last year, more than 70 locally trained doctors didn't get residency placements to complete their training. And the numbers don't look good going forward.
1: We graduate 288 students
12: from UBC every year. We estimate that about 400 doctors retire or leave the province every year, and we're not keeping up. There has been a reliance on attracting doctors from other parts of Canada and other countries, but high housing costs and restrictive health spending can be obstacles, meaning if something doesn't change, we'll likely see more signs like this one. Jill Bennett, Global News.
1: Amazon has narrowed the search for its multi-billion dollar second headquarters and Vancouver did not make the shortlist. Toronto is the only Canadian city among the 20 finalists for the facility that could create as many as 50,000 jobs. Vancouver was never thought to be a serious contender though because it's too close to Amazon's Seattle headquarters. A final decision is expected later this year.
2: The Vancouver Aquarium is bowing to public pressure admitting its future will not include whales, dolphins or other cetaceans kept in captivity. But what does that mean for the long-term survival of the aquarium? Linda Aylesworth reports on the evolution of an institution.
8: When the Vancouver Park Board voted to ban whales, dolphins and porpoises from Stanley Park last year, the Vancouver Aquarium launched a legal challenge.
6: What it really is about is, is it proper for a government agency to use a bylaw to tear up a valid contract.
8: The contract, a long-term lease to operate as they have for decades on parkland. The goal of the fight, to continue to keep cetaceans at the facility. But today, an unexpected announcement.
6: The Vancouver Aquarium's commitment to that mission of engaging people is stronger than ever. But, as of today, it's going to go forward without whales and dolphins.
8: The reason, according to Dr. Nightingale, the debate in the community was taking away from their other education and research projects.
6: And we were faced with a decision, either stand there and hope things change or improve in the community, or take control of things ourselves and get on with what we're supposed to be doing for conservation.
8: So what will a post-Cetacean Vancouver Aquarium look like? Already their stellar sea lions have moved into the pools previously occupied by the beluga whales that mysteriously died last year. And over at the Wild Coast exhibit, where their lone dolphin Helen resides, a new Canada's Arctic will be created.
6: We are a major portal where people can come see and learn about the Arctic and Arctic animals. That will continue, but exactly the form that takes is going to have to be worked out over the next weeks and months.
8: And soon their recently acquired walruses, born at and gifted by the Quebec Aquarium, will be ready to move out where the public can see them. As for the legal fight, it hasn't ended. Because the park board's ban means rescued cetaceans in need of bigger pools than the off-site rescue center can offer would be out of luck.
6: When we rescue a cetacean, if we need these facilities for a month or two months or six months while permits are arranged for transport,
8: we want to be able to use them. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Right now, the great
1: news about that emaciated dog that was found the day of last summer's eclipse.
2: Eclipse, as he's been aptly named, is now healthy enough to be adopted out. The Great Dane was discovered near Green Timber's urban forest, weighing only 80 to 85 pounds. He was so underweight that his sternum bone was visible. There was also an infected mass about the size of a softball on his leg. He's now a healthy 185 pounds. It's not known what happened to Eclipse before he was found, but he's now ready for a forever home.
8: Someone who uh, is going to be uh, home a lot, be able to get him out and spend time with him. He does need a home without other cats because yeah. he doesn't get along with cats. Um, he does like um, other large dogs, uh-huh. um, so he could go to a home with another large dog. But someone who just really understands the size. So when he takes a drink of water, half the bowl ends up in his cheeks and he spreads that across the floor. So you've got to be able to live with a Dane.
1: And conservation officers in the interior rescued this two-month-old cougar kitten after it was found orphaned near Williams Lake. It's believed its mother was hit and killed by a vehicle. The kitten is now in the care of the Greater Vancouver Zoo.
2: Yet another patient is coming forward tonight begging for funding for a potentially life-saving but expensive drug.
1: Langley resident Karen McLaren has stage four breast cancer and is being prescribed a drug that could prolong or even save her life. But even though it's approved by Health Canada, the cancer agency won't pay for it. But this
14: pill right here is $262.40. An extreme cancer drug cost that Karen McLaren can't afford to buy and can't afford not to have. She's a stage four metastatic breast cancer patient. What your brain goes to is,
9: well, you, I've just been given a death sentence.
14: McLaren, a 42-year-old former model, was first diagnosed with breast cancer in 2004. She beat it, but it returned with a vengeance in 2014. Ibrance is her last hope, but it's not covered in BC. Her elderly father has paid for the first 21-day cycle, but at $8,000 a month, It's not economically sustainable. He's
3: like, I'll pay for you to cure you. And I'll pay whatever it takes to cure you. But how do you bankrupt your father with
14: a hope? Ashley McDonald takes Ibrantz. The drug has given her her life back. But it's covered. She works for an American company with an insurance provider that funds Ibrantz.
9: I was shocked to hear that women up here with my same diagnosis don't have access to treatment that is effectively working for metastatic breast cancer patients that I am currently on and has put me in remission.
14: IBRANDS has been approved by Health Canada. In B.C., the B.C. Cancer Agency looks at which drugs to fund. It is
3: under active consideration. It's, a, it's an effective drug. Uh, it is, of course, very costly, uh, and we are looking very seriously at whether we're going to fund this drug.
14: Meanwhile, McLaren is left trying to figure out how to pay for her life-saving treatment.
3: This is a piece of hope,
14: so how do you not pay for it? But then the same flip side is, how do you pay for it? Jennifer Palma, Global News.
1: The language debate is stirring up again in Richmond this time. The microscope focused on public transit.
2: An ad that's almost entirely in Chinese is making the rounds on the side of a TransLink bus, and that has critics calling for language laws in B.C. John Hua reports. Every time bus
4: R16108 makes the rounds, some see a moving billboard for creating language laws in British Columbia.
3: When it's that big, you you can't help but notice.
4: The full-size advertisements featured on several TransLink buses routed through the city of Richmond. Aside from the local company's web address, all the other characters in Chinese.
3: It causes me great concerns because we have a divided community and what we should be doing is celebrating our official languages like all the immigrants have come.
4: The bus ads driving straight into an ongoing language debate in Richmond where other signage pushed city council to adopt a new policy to encourage and educate businesses that don't include English or French in at least 50% of the content.
14: The policy is not a law. It would need to be a bylaw or something provincially that would mandate what sort of language can be on ads. The Charter of Rights and Freedoms is something that we need to consider.
4: Still, many bus riders we spoke to say anything to do with public transit shouldn't need translation.
8: It doesn't really make sense to have it just in Chinese. Why not have
9: it in both Chinese and English?
4: It's not that good because we still have some like English people living here, right?
9: I know TANs think it's all about money and getting money, but it's got to also be accountable to the community.
4: And what about that website, 10kk.ca? Global News contacted the number on the financial service company's webpage, but no one was willing to comment.
3: I think we need to stop everybody. I'm passing the buck you know oh it's not my municipal it's not provincial it's not federal it's not TransLink. it's not the business come on we we can do better than this
4: so with no signs of an eventual solution all this just another stop
2: in this ongoing language debate john hua global news a bc man has a message of tolerance and acceptance that plea is all the more remarkable since just a few years ago he was the leader of a white supremacist group. Ted Chernecki has his story. News will not
6: replace us. There is a lower mainland resident who knows this crowd all too well. He was a neo-Nazi once and remembers exactly how he and others fell into this lifestyle.
11: Uh, initially, a lot of people are joining these groups because they, you know. Um, they get attracted to some some sense of belonging. Brad Galloway
6: was the national leader of the white supremacist group Volksfront, but left because he says carrying around all that negative energy exhausted him.
11: Most of the ideas were, were uh, pretty... Um... We're delusional in, in a lot of in a lot of ways thinking that we could uh, separate and create our own you know community uh, separate away from society and you know there, there was no way that this was ever going to happen
6: now he walks a different path he's on a new crusade one that speaks to tolerance open-mindedness and he can thank his baby daughter for that
11: how can you teach uh, uh, any any person but especially your own child to judge people based on you know what they look like or what culture they're from before even knowing what what kind of person that 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 person actually is right i mean that's not that's not fair and it's not uh it's it's definitely not you know giving giving your child a chance to to uh you know maybe be enriched by some of these different cultures that are there
6: 7 years later now a fourth year criminology student galloway will talk to any hate filled person willing to listen about how to get out
11: if you can manage to uh, get yourself to a point to just say look i'm i'm uh, i'm done with this and start thinking about yourself and think about your family members and think about how these things affect society there are um, things you know, places that you can reach out to to help you um you know there's uh, there those things are available online just as much so as the as these extremist uh, or websites and things like that ted chernicki global news
2: a shockingly close call caught on police dash cam in Detroit. A tow truck driver is clearing an accident scene when this happens. An out-of-control car smashes into the car he's about to tow and then lands right where he was standing. Luckily, he was able to scramble out of the way. The driver faces several charges. Police releasing the video to remind people to slow down for emergency vehicles.
1: Well, the Harry and Meghan Charm offensive landed in Cardiff, Wales today. Despite their train from London arriving an hour late, royal fans patiently waited for their chance to see Prince Harry and his American fiance Meghan Markle. Today's trip was meant to highlight Welsh culture. It is their third official visit in Britain as a couple, and they're expected to make several more in the next several months before they're married, May 19th.
2: Well, in health matters tonight, YouTube is cracking down to try to stop a bizarre and dangerous fad that's endangering lives. Do not try this at home. It's the so-called Tide Pod Challenge, attention-seeking teenagers daring one another to bite into a laundry detergent pod and then post the video online. Now YouTube says it'll remove those videos because they encourage dangerous behavior. The manufacturers are already under fire because the pods resemble candy. So far this year, there's been a 20% jump in the number of calls to poison control centers in the U.S. from young people exposed to the contents of the pods.
1: Well, the NIMO students are helping NASA investigate one of the most puzzling problems astronauts face in space.
2: Muscle atrophy occurs in zero gravity, leaving astronauts weak when they return to Earth. But as Nitu Garcha reports, their experiment to solve it is about to blast off. <laughs>
15: An experiment brewed inside this Nanaimo high school is about to take off to new heights. It's actually going to go on the International Space Station. That's really cool that we can actually just look up at the sky and be like, oh, there's our experiment. The Nanaimo district's secondary students will test whether the supplement L-carnitine will help combat muscular atrophy, a major problem for astronauts in zero gravity.
3: Currently, astronauts lose up to 20% of their muscle mass um, when they go into space. And so Megan found a study linking L-carnitine with inhibiting muscle atrophy, and so we kind of just took that study and kind of ran with it and created our um, proposal from that.
15: Here's how it works. Small flatworms will be sent into space and exposed to the supplement while in orbit. If the worms have the same weight upon return as when they were launched, it could mean the drug is effective against preventing microgravity-induced muscular atrophy. The hope is that they retain their muscle mass because that'll sort of indicate that the drug will be successful. The trio will have a front row seat to the launch in June from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Two, one. Hoping for a smoother liftoff than in 2014 when students from Camloops had their experiment go up in flames after a space-bound rocket exploded just six seconds after takeoff.
4: It was really shocking and... Kind of disappointing. We can
15: actually inject them now. If you want. For this trio, seeing the blast off firsthand will be the ultimate reward for having their proposal selected to go to space. Theirs was up against 50 other projects from 200 students at their school before competing with proposals from across North America in the Student Spaceflight Experiment
8: Program. They chose such a novel idea with such a unique approach and they did it all on their own. So they're quite amazing.
15: A community fundraising effort helped raise 24,000 U.S. dollars to fund their experiment that could help make space a better place for astronauts.
10: Okay, I got my green hook.
15: Neetu Garcha, Global News. Two
2: struggling teenagers caught in a riptide off the coast of Australia when they're saved by a miracle from above. That's coming up right after Christy's forecast.
1: All right. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with a look at uh, the weather forecast now. Seeing spots of green there
9: behind you. Yes, too many of them, unfortunately. And also actually a couple lightning strikes as well. By the way, for you skiers out there... I've got a couple of really good ski days for you coming up, so you want to stay tuned. Uh, Yeah, so a number of lightning strikes across the south coast today. Uh, The system that we're seeing has quite a bit of instability. And what that means is we'll see breaks of uh, dry weather, certainly, and then we'll see waves of rain. Sometimes it's light, but sometimes, because of the instability, it can be really intense. There has been some hail across the region and, of course, some lightning strikes as well. We'll continue with this same pattern this evening and overnight. So on and off rain with that risk of a thunderstorm tomorrow as well. But it will be a little bit more stable tomorrow. So the chance of a lightning strike tomorrow is far less. And it's all because of that big low pressure center that's just bringing the waves of rain on shore. With this type of pattern, by the way, for those of you in the interior, majority of the rainfall really falls along the mountains. You get a bit of a dry patch in through the interior. And then we see the rain again pick up along the Columbia and the Kootenai Mountains Once again, higher up, it means snow, lower down. We're mainly looking at rain. And then for you skiers out there, we've got a system that's set to push in on Saturday night and will continue through Sunday. And it looks like this could bring in a fair amount of rainfall for lower down, but snow even for the local mountains. So some great snowfall on the way. Heading up into the north, so periods of rain across the north coast, as I mentioned, further inland, much drier. So that extends from Dees Lake all the way down into Prince George. Those of you in Fort Nelson, a couple of centimeters of snow, and those of you across the north, enjoy the warm or relatively warm weather this weekend, because next week, that cold air returns, and it is really going to get cold. Down through the south, we have the drier conditions in the interior, uh, showers or flurries. It's really just wet flurries through the overnight period for you uh, across the mountain regions, and for the south coast, we'll see the rain on and off. At times, it could be heavy, but at least we'll see some dry patches. And again, we have a slight risk of a thunderstorm, but I think majority of it will be overnight tonight and then we're talking about that next system late saturday through sunday so it is going to be a rather stormy weekend happy birthday to marjorie marjorie murray sorry a bit of a tongue twister celebrating 101 years and this one from paul sanders saunders uh this is the sun and the reflection is off of the ice particles in the air and that great gives it this beautiful halo
2: what is it? Is there a name for that phenomenon?
9: It, some people call it a sundog, but I'm not sure if, if that's the case in this scenario. But yeah, sundog would be it. Cool. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's Thanks, great. Paul. Thank you, Christy.
2: Officials in Australia are calling a rescue off the country's coast a world first and the future of ocean rescues.
1: Two teenage swimmers were spotted by witnesses struggling in a riptide. Luckily for them, lifeguards were nearby, training in the use of rescue drones. They dispatched a, se- a special life-saving drone that dropped an inflatable raft, which the two used to get to safety. Officials say the drone significantly cut the rescue time.
2: Oh, Howard Stern's a code word. That's interesting. Stern, as in angriness. No, a part of a boat.
13: Stern. Shall we go? Stern. Right. Bow. 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 Okay. Aft. Let's go, Captain. But at port side. Okay, here we go. Um, the Canucks say Bo Horvat is ready to start practicing again. He will be with the team on the weekend when they're in Edmonton and Winnipeg. When can he play? Well, we don't quite know that yet. That really depends on his foot. But it should be soon. And when he does, the Canucks will be pretty much completely healthy. So... Will that mean things will change dramatically, perhaps a playoff run? I don't know about that. The Canucks are 11 points away from the postseason. That's a long way away right now. They need a Minnesota Vikings-Stefan Diggs kind of miracle ending to make the playoffs. But it was the loss of Horvat that started their drop from playoff contention. I know others were hurt, but this is the key guy. And take a look. When they had him, 14-10-4 and when he got hurt in early December against Carolina after that. 4 wins as opposed to 14. Two best teams in the NHL. Tampa Bay Lightning Vegas Golden Knights. Number 1 in the East, number 1 in the West. Now the Golden Knights beat Tampa Bay in December. James Neal deflects one in here to make it one nothing. That's his 19th of the year. Yes, Vegas fans travel now. Nate Schmidt. Two nothing Vegas. Driving at home. These guys are for real. Last time we checked, third period, 2-1 over Tampa. The man beside me is Steve Bull, a former junior hockey player who is now helping the British Columbia Hockey League give its players a first-hand account of how their world is not impervious to addiction, and he is someone who went through his own personal hell, so he knows
10: it was life or death for me.
13: I
5: truly believe that. Steve Bull has been fighting a desperate battle against addiction since he was a teenager. He was a promising young hockey player at the Burnaby Winter Club in the mid to late 70s and made his way to the Western Hockey League's Lethbridge Broncos where he skated alongside three Sutter brothers, Brent, Ron, and Rich. But it's also where his addiction started when he left home to play at just 15 years old.
10: I struggled being away from home at such a young age. I just didn't really know what was going on, but what I was filled with was fear and a complete other, like, debilitating anxiety. Um, Alcohol worked as a coping
5: mechanism for that. Despite his drinking, Steve did play parts of four seasons in the Western League, including in Kamloops. When hockey was over, he did seem to settle into a normal life getting married and starting a family. But the drinking didn't stop and eventually his marriage and family life crumbled. He spent literally everything he had to support his alcohol and drug addictions and hit rock bottom repeatedly.
10: I would end up on the downtown east side in homeless shelters and or living outside, a combination of both. I'd swear if I ever got out of there, I would never end up back
5: there again. After many failed trips in and out of rehab, Bull found a lifeline. An addiction recovery program called Together We Can. Now at age 54 and sober for the last three and a half years, Bull is staying on that path by helping others. And one of the most successful parts of the program has been this weekly hockey session for recovering addicts. You see when you bring a guy out that's new into
10: treatment, somebody that's essentially possibly came from the streets, and we supply them with hockey gear. And, you know, we pick them up and we take them out and we take them on the ice and you see them light up, you see them change. It gives, uh, it's pretty inspiring. It really is.
4: It's really nice seeing other people come to light just like I did, right? A lot of people come in here and they're just like down in the dumps and they, suddenly they're getting their family back,
5: they're playing sports or stuff like that. It's just amazing.
10: Never actually realized my potential due to my inability to actually stay out of trouble.
5: And new this year, Bulls' message is getting to BCHL players, a preventative talk that will hopefully keep these young men on the right path in life. Compelling speakers, they've been there, they've done that,
14: they've lived that life. The players are all ears. There are temptations out there and you've got to be smart with what your actions are and what you do and what kind of friends you're hanging out with.
10: When they struggle, hopefully we can plant some sort of seed that somebody else has been just like them.
5: And that there is hope. Hope so that these kids don't have to go through what he went through. Very delayed global sports.
13: So Boston was going crazy today because Tom Brady has a sore hand and Tom Brady wore gloves on both hands at practice. He never wears two gloves, so what could that mean? Now I think he will play against Jacksonville on Sunday, but when Patriots safety Devin McCordy faced the media today, the media was desperate to know, how did Tom look at practice?
16: Tom looks excellent every day. One of the best looking people I've ever met.
10: <laughs> did he look like his hand was bothering
16: him at all? I didn't. When you look at Tom, I mean, the facial, it's hard to look at anything else. So I really only saw his face.
13: <laughs> yeah, he didn't, didn't see <laughs> it. Coachella Valley so is a golfing mecca. All right, and this career week, builder, a challenge. This is the uh, tournament last year that Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford 18. shot 59 and finished second. John Rom, this is his approach on the 18 that was in four feet. He has the lead, 10 under par, 62. Actually, Adam Hadwin had a good start, 6 under par, 66, tied for 15th. And yes, Nick Taylor, also so. of Abbotsford, is at four Heck under. Par. The That's the there you go. Thank you. Squad. Thanks, Thanks, you,
14: sir. Here's a look at your conditions for the mountains. Whistler blackcomb with 23 new centimeters of snow and a base of 226.
3: Browse with a base of 220, Cypress 240, and Sasquatch 221. Revelstoke with a base of 185, Manning Park with 39 new centimeters of snow and a base of 155. Powder King with a base of 180, Mount Washington with a base of 149. Big White with a base of 190 centimeters, Silver Star 181, Sun Peaks 147, and Apex 170.
13: Coming up on ET Canada, Woody Allen responds to Dylan Farrow's sexual abuse claims. Plus, the latest honor for bare naked ladies and a Stephen Page update. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie.
7: All right.
2: Thanks very much, Carlos. A lot of newlyweds have stories to tell about their weddings, but two Chilean flight attendants probably top them all.
1: They're a Catholic couple that got a second chance to tie the knot when they never expected it, thanks to the Pope himself.
16: The happy couple still flying high tonight after a dazzling display of holy matrimony. That's Pope Francis at 36,000 feet in a papal first, marrying two Chilean flight attendants in an impromptu ceremony. Something totally extraordinary happened today. It began when Pope Francis was taking photos with airline staff and Paola Podest and Carlos Ciafardi told him they are a couple. They married in a civil service eight years ago but couldn't have a ceremony after the 2010 Chilean earthquake destroyed their church. The groom says the pope jumped in, asking, do you want me to marry you? An improvised marriage certificate was handwritten by a bishop on board and signed by the pope. The couple's witness, their airline chairman. The in-flight wedding, part of a dramatic day for the pontiff. Driving to an event this afternoon, the Pope Naville appeared to startle a police horse tossing its officer to the ground. Pope Francis stunned the crowd, stopping his motorcade and staying with her until an ambulance arrived. Tonight, she's recovering. And that lucky couple, they're off to their second honeymoon after a wedding story made just shy of heaven. Keir Simmons, NBC News.
2: You made a good point.
1: So was there a a full mass to go along with this? And he said there's... There's there's red wine.
2: There's red wine, stale crackers. (laughs) Sure they could have done it (laughs) if they wanted to.
1: They could pull something (laughs) off. Well, that's very cool. Maybe so.